I want you to take your Bible tonight, if you will, and go with me over to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. If you have a Schofield Bible, it's page 698. If you don't, shame on you. Ecclesiastes, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I was telling them coming up the road years ago I preached down at the Oconee County Camp Meeting. They were meeting in an old army tent back in those days. Miss Dean and I, we pulled on the grounds and the the thermometer in my car said it was 100 degrees outside. And uh, we got under that tent that night. But Jim, I've never been so hot in all my life. I was thinking, Lord, I've been, I've been preaching about hell for years, but I've never been through it before. I, and uh, hot, I've never been so hot. When I got through preaching, I'd gotten so hot, I got sick. And I told Brother Tilson, I said, you'll have to do the invitation. I've got to, I've got to go home. And I was really, really ill because I let Miss Dean drive. And uh, she drove me home. And I got home, and Miss Dean will tell you, I poured water out of my shoes. It was, it was, I had, I had sweated so bad. So I told John, I said, John, you got to get me a fan or something. And uh, he said, I'll have it ready for you. So I went back Tuesday night, and I got up, he said, and Brother Dean, he said, I know it was so hot on you last night, I've got you a fan. And he had one of those great old big shop fans, things this big. <laughs> it was sitting over here, I hadn't seen it, it was under something. And I uh, got up and opened my Bible and put my notes out. He cut that fan on, and the last time I saw my sermon, it was headed for Lake Hartwell. I mean, <laughs> flying down through the woods, three pages of my Bible was with it. And, and, uh, but I'll tell you this, I didn't get hot that night. Amen. <laughs> yes, sir. Please ask these chapter 3. Lead us, our Father, open thou our eyes, that we may behold wondrous things out of thy law. In Christ's name, amen. To everything there is a season, verse 1, and a time... To every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. Beloved, you had a day appointed and a time appointed that you were born, and there is a time appointed that you're going to die. My daddy's 93 years old. He's in a nursing home down off of Butler Road in, in, right at Malden. We was down there just a little while ago and uh, had a wonderful visit with him and getting ready to go, and I... Uh, I said, Dad, let me have prayer. He said, son, will you do something for me? I said, yes, sir. He said, will you pray for me? I said, I'm fixing to. He said, will you ask God to let me die? I want to go to heaven. I want to see the Lord, and I want to see your mama. They're married 69 years, high school sweethearts. And he said, I, I want to see your mama. Will you pray that God will let me die? I said, no, Daddy, I can't do that. The Bible said there's a time appointed for a man to be born and there's a time appointed by God for a man to die. And beloved, we have no say in either one of them. I'm glad to tell you tonight, God, you're going to live until God Almighty gets ready for you to go. You say, I got terrible cancer, I'm going to die. You won't die until God said he's ready for you to. I, I've, got some, I've got some disease that's going to take me out. I'm glad I have a God tonight that's able to keep us you keep us alive and serving him until what time he calls us home. He said there's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted, a 
time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence. A time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. Now give me real close attention and look with me at our text verse, verse 11. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also he hath set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. I want to talk to you tonight, and I know what time it is. I'm not going to, I'm not going to preach long tonight. But I want to talk to you just a little while on beautiful things from God. Beautiful things from God. And also uh, in His time. I want us to take just the first few words of verse number 11. And I'd like for us to break them down. The first word in verse 11 is He. That is speaking of our God. I'm glad tonight we serve the only God. We serve the true God. We serve a living God tonight. I stood down on the island of Haiti and watched natives dance around a, a totem pole God that they had carved. Four or five faces in this uh, totem pole looking thing. And they danced around it and bowed before it and, and prayed to it. And that uh, image had eyes but it couldn't see. Had a mouth but it couldn't speak. It had ears, but that wooden statue could not hear. I'm glad tonight I have a God that hears and still answers prayer. Now let me talk to you for just a minute about this God. Number one, I want you to see that He is omnipotent. He is omnipotent, omnipotent. And uh, that means He has all power. Now you listen to me, the devil is a strong force. He was an archangel that fell, prince of the power of the air. But I've got news for you. There's one who's stronger. There's one who's mightier. There's one who is bigger than the devil. And that's God Almighty we serve tonight. Now we're no match for the devil, but the devil's no match for God. Turn in your Bible over to Jeremiah chapter 32. Jeremiah chapter 32. Jeremiah 32. Page 807. If you have a Schofield Bible. 807. Jeremiah chapter 32. Now I hear pages rattling. If you hadn't found it by now, you're not going to find it, all right? <laughs> Just stop wherever you are. Look at your Bible. We'll think you're there, all right? <laughs> Jeremiah 32, verse 17. 
Ah, Lord God. Jeremiah's enjoying this. Listen, I know some people, they act like being a Christian is the worst thing in all the world. I'm glad tonight that I'm a Christian. I'm glad I've been saved by the grace of God. I'm glad God's my heavenly father. Jesus is my elder brother. I've got the Holy Spirit living inside of me. I have a King James Bible to guide me. Hey, I got a church to go to. I've got brethren to fellowship with. I'm glad. I'm glad tonight. I'm a Christian and believe the book and are serving him tonight. Jeremiah said, oh, Lord God. Behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm. God took nothing and made the world. The word in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created is the word bara. And that word bara means to make something out of nothing. Years ago I had a deacon in my church in Virginia that built log homes. He would make rock fireplaces and did a beautiful job. We had a Smith Mountain Lake was up the road from us and all the rich people from Lynchburg and Roanoke and surrounding areas, they'd buy lots on the lake. And they'd build big mansions there. He built one of the biggest log homes they'd ever built. Worked for over a year on it. And he finished up and he said, uh, I sure would like for y'all to see it. So we got the church bus and uh, the, all the deacons, we went up to see this home that he was, he was just about finished with. And I have never seen such a log home like this in all my life. It was absolutely gorgeous. We went in and one whole wall was nothing but a rock fireplace. It went from the floor, went all the way up to the, to the ceiling. On the end, on this end of the house, there was nothing but windows, great big tall windows looking out over Smith Mountain Lake. It was the most beautiful home I had ever seen. And one of our men said, Brother Phil... You have created, you have created a showplace. And I said, well, listen, he didn't create it. He built it, but he took logs, and he took nails, and he took mortar, and he took rocks. He skillfully put them together, sure. And it was a showplace. It was a beautiful place, but he started with something in his hand to be able to build it. God stepped out on nothing. Oh, nothing and spake and the worlds were formed. He didn't take a cell. He didn't take an amoeba. He didn't run a meteorite through gases and have a big explosion. God built this world and this universe out of nothing. Now God can take nothing and create this world that we live in what can he do with you and I that will give ourselves to him? He said, oh, Lord God, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm. Now get this. And there is nothing too hard for thee. Now, I can't say that tonight, that there's nothing too hard for me. There are a lot of things I'm not able to do. There are a lot of things that are too hard for me. But after 40, starting my 43rd year of pastoring Baptist churches, I must confess there's many things I have no control over. 
But I'm glad after all these years of being a Christian, I have never brought anything to my God that was too hard for Him. It's not too big. It's not too hard. It's not too awful. It's not too bleak. It's not so far gone that our God is not able to do something with it. We serve an omnipotent God, which means He has all power. All power. All power belongs to God Almighty. Turn the page on verse 27. He said, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? And I answer, No, there's not. No, there's not. I've been in situations, I've been in storms that I did not think I was going to get through. Some hateful times, some hard times, some hideous hours. That it seemed like everything was falling in. And I'm glad that God can take broken pieces. And he can put them back together. And he can make something beautiful. I'm glad tonight, number one, we serve an omnipotent God. Can anybody say amen to that? There's nothing in your life tonight that's bigger than your God. There's nothing you're facing tonight that's bigger than your God. There is no problem you have tonight that our God Almighty cannot take care of if we will take it to Him. When have you, have you taken it to Him? Have you prayed about it? You've talked to everybody in the country. You've talked about it and discussed it with everybody. Have you taken it to God in prayer? That ought to be the first stop you make when you find yourself in trouble. Well, we could go to Psalm 33.6, Revelation 19.6, but I want us to move on. Not only is God omnipotent, but number two, God is omniscient. Omniscient. That means he has all knowledge. That means God knows everything tonight. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, back to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah Chapter 46, one book over, Isaiah 46, I serve a God tonight that is omnipotent, but I serve a God tonight that is omniscient. He knows everything. Look at Isaiah 46 verse 9, remember the former things of old, for I am God. And there's none else. I am God. And there's none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times the things that are not yet done. Saying my counsel shall stand. And I will do all my pleasure. I'm glad tonight our God knows where we are tonight. He knows where we're going to be tomorrow. He knows what's coming this week. This month, this year, God knows all about it. And beloved, He will be there before you get there with what we need to make it through. He knows everything. He knows everything. We have no idea how this is going to work out, but God Almighty does. Turn back with me to Psalm 139. Wonderful Psalm. Psalm 139. In 39, O Lord, verse 1, Thou hast searched me and known me. 
Isaiah 39. While you're turning there real quick, I need to ask you to forgive me now for leaning on the pulpit. I'm, I'm battling back trouble, and uh, I can't stand for so long, so I don't like doing this, but I, okay. Isaiah 39, verse 2, Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. He knows where you're sitting tonight. I was preaching for Brother Frankie Taylor been years ago. He has a tent meet never ever fall. And so uh, they uh, put the tent up. But before they put the tent up, it had a week of rain. It rained and rained and it was just a mess. And uh, so they put the tent up. They put out metal folding chairs. And uh, we was getting ready for the service. And I came down and I sat in the first row, first seat, right where you're sitting, young man. I'm sitting there in that metal folding chair. I've got my Bible open. I'm flipping through it. And I feel a, a sensation that I haven't felt quite before. I felt as though I was moving. But I wasn't going forward. Wasn't going back. Wasn't going left or right. I was going down. That, that ground was still wet. And that chair with those four legs and me in it, it started sinking. And uh, now you talk about embarrassing. Here got a tent full of people and I'm sitting in a chair and, and I'm just, I'm going down, down, down. And I rode that chair till it bellied out in the, on the ground. They came over and got me and put me up on the platform and sat there. I watched four men try to pull that chair out of the mud and they couldn't get it. They said they had to get a backhoe in there to pull that thing out of that mud. I'd sunk her so deep. Huh? Now listen to me. If I had known that was going to happen, I'd have sat on the platform to begin with. I'd have sat in the back. He knows where you're sitting tonight. He knows when you get up. He knows when you go down. Thou compasseth my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all of my ways. But look at it. For there is not a word in my tongue, but Lord, oh Lord, thou knowest it altogether. He hears every word you say. You young people, he hears what you mutter under your breath when you're mad at your mom and your daddy. You may not let them hear it, but God Almighty's heard it. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thy hand upon me. The writer David says, he said, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain to it. I'm glad tonight we have a God that knows everything. I've had people to misunderstand me down through the years. Misunderstand things I've said, misunderstand things I've done. I've had people that have told lies on me. I've had people that have gossiped about me. But I'm glad tonight, the one who knows me better than anybody on this earth, I'm glad he still loves me. And he lets me call him my God. So he's omnipotent, he has all power. He's omniscient, he's all-knowing. Number three, he's omnipresent which means he can be everywhere at exactly the same time. Amen. Now, the devil can't do that. The devil is a created being. He was an anointed 
I mean, he was an archangel in heaven until he fell. And uh, from heaven, Lucifer fell and became the devil and Satan and Beelzebub. And he can only be at one place at one time. But I'm glad I have a God that's everywhere at exactly the same time. I'm glad while we're having service tonight, our people back home had a service at White Horse Heinz Baptist Church. And guess what? The same God that's with them is the same God that's with us. I'm glad we serve a God that is omnipresent. You got your Bibles turned to Psalm 139. Look down verse 7. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? He said, where can I go and get away from God? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell... Behold, thou art there. I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there shall thy hand lead thee, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. I'm glad we have a God that is everywhere. We have a son when he was 10, 8, 8 or 9 weeks old. He had heart surgery at the University of Virginia Hospital in Charlottesville. I was pastoring in Lynchburg at the time. We had started the Gospel Light Baptist Church in my living room. Jacob got sick. He was sick. And so uh, they ran tests and said, we're going to have to do bypass surgery on him. Nine weeks old. And I remember we were in the neonatal unit of the University of Virginia Hospital. They had just finished the new hospital that they use now. And the only thing on the floor that we were, we were at was neonatal. All the, all the other rooms had been gutted and everything was across the way over in the new hospital. But I remember that morning... Way, way before daylight, we're in the room and Mama's holding our little boy and they've come in and they've scrubbed him and they've prepared him and they put him in that special little gown that he had to wear, wrapped him up in a clean towel or or blanket and Miss Dean was holding him and the little orderly came and said, it's time for us to go. And so we left that room, we went down and the, the uh, neonatal was the same level as the uh, hallway that went over the road, enclosed walkway over the highway. And I was with Miss Dean. I was holding on to her. And she was holding on to our little boy, nine weeks old, with heart trouble. Well, the orderly walked up and he turned and went down this hallway. And there were some great big doors. And Brother Jim, it said on there, surgery, no admittance. He knocked on the door and a little girl came out with her green hat and green scrubs on with with gloves on her hands and she said, I'll take him. And Miss Dean said, can I go with him? She said, no ma'am, this is as far as you can go. And we turned our little boy over to a total stranger and that door closed and latched and we saw the sign, no admittance. But beloved, I'm glad though mama could not go through that door 
and though daddy could not go through that door, I'm glad there was one that they couldn't keep out of that room. There was one that walked right through that door. He didn't slow down. He didn't wait for him to open it. He didn't read the sign. He walked right on in. And he went all the way to that operating room. And he helped those doctors. I work on my boy at nine, ten weeks old. I'm here to tell you tonight, I have a God that can go anywhere. He's not bound by time or space. He's omnipresent. He can be everywhere at exactly the same time. He's omnipotent, he's omniscient, he's omnipresent, he's eternal, he's never had a beginning and he'll never have an end. He's sovereign, that means he's supreme. He's the head of all heads, the king of all kings, and the Lord of all lords. Now go back to Ecclesiastes 3. He hath made, this is defined as fashioned or shaped. Ecclesiastes 3, 11. He hath made, he has fashioned our life the way he wants our life to be fashioned. Now you listen to me tonight. We don't serve a cookie cutter God. He don't just, he don't, we just don't go through and he chunka, 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 gets all of us through and we're all exactly the same and all do exactly the same way. No, sir. God knows who you are and God knows who I am. And the Bible said, God, this almighty, omnipotent, omnipresent, eternal God hath made, He has made, He has fashioned your life just the way that He wants it to be. Go with me real quickly to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1, verse 31. And God saw everything that He hath made And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good in the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And beloved, most of the time, I have no idea what God's doing in my life. I don't understand it. It don't make sense to me. It it seems as though he's being awful mean to me. It, it seems as though this wonderful, gracious God that I, I depend on, it seems he's carried me through an awful hard place. God, do you love me? God, do you care? God, I'm hurting. I'm in pain. I'm suffering. I've cried until I can cry. No more tears. God, do you know about me? Have you forgot about me? Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. He knows where you are tonight. And he is molding us and making us into the image that he wants us to be. Beloved, sometimes, sometimes it's not always good, but it's for our good. Now, when I was a boy and I was sick and couldn't go to school, my mom and my daddy both worked. And I knew if I missed school what that meant. That meant I was going down to the Monaghan Mill Village and I was going to be with my mama and my papa Malden, my mother's people. And uh, my mama Malden, every time I went there, every time I went to her house sick, she didn't meet me at the porch. She didn't meet me in the front room. 
She didn't meet me in the kitchen. She was standing on the back porch. And when I came in the door, she'd say, Come on, darling. Come on back here. Oh, I knew what was coming. We stepped in that little washroom and she reached up in a medicine cabinet and pulled out a, a brown bottle that had turned black. The label had rotted off a hundred years ago. It was a bottle of castor oil. She thought it would cure anything. If you stub your toe or if you had brain cancer, you take castor oil, it'll help you. And she'd say, darling, you need to take this. Mama, I'm feeling better. Just, just being around it, just seeing the bottle, I feel so much better. I feel my fever leaving my body. And uh, she said, now, darling, you got to take it. And she'd pull a spoon out, and Brother Doug, it always reminded me of a soup ladle. I've never seen such a spoon in all my life. It looked like it was this big. She'd take the lid off that bottle, and she'd turn it up. And it wouldn't pour out of the bottle like normal, decent stuff. It just kind of oozed out of the bottle and fill that spoon. And she'd lay it down and she'd say, Now you take this. Mm-mm. <laughs> Darling, Mama's telling you to take this. Now open your mouth. Mm-mm. You're going to take this. Mm-mm. And uh, she'd grab me. And I guess like all grandmothers, she'd grab my nose. And she'd pinch my nose. And I, I learned when I was just a boy, five and six years old, no matter how hard you try, you cannot breathe through your ears. You just can't do it. My nose was pinched. I knew what my open mouth was going to bring. And finally, when I, I, I couldn't stand anymore, I'd open up my mouth and pew, that soup ladle would go in and that nasty, wicked castor oil. I'm sorry, I can taste it right now in my mouth. <laughs> Give me a handful of them shavings, amen, get it out of my mouth. And I'd run around in circles and I'd roll on the ground like a dog and I'd, I'd drag my tongue across the carpet. And, and, uh, but you know, I never remember taking a dose of that castor oil that it didn't make me feel better. I guess my body said, dear God, if you're going to do that to us, we're feeling better already. <laughs> I was in there one day, my grandpa came up. He said, May was running around in circles. She had my nose pinched. I was running around in circles. He said, May, if that boy don't want to take that stuff, don't you make him. I said, Oh, thank you. Papa, you're my hero. He said, I got something better than that. Boy, he gave me a dose of salts. I went back to the castor oil. Amen. That's right. <laughs> Though it wasn't good, it was good for me. And God knows where you are tonight. Beloved, it may have to get worse before it gets better. But if you're saved by the grace of God and you know that, He's working in your life. He's fashioning you. He's molding you. He's making you like He wants you to be. Our God hath made everything, everything, every aspect of my life. Turn with me real quick. I'm just about to finish. Turn to Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. Much uh, quoted verse. Now let's look at it. Romans 8. Verse 28, page 1202 in your Schofield Bible. Romans 8, 28. Let's look at it real quick. The Bible said, And we know. Don't think it. 
We know. What do we know? We know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to His purpose. Many years ago, I was called over to the Lynchburg Hospital. There's a young man that had visited our church a couple times. He's in a terrible motorcycle accident. He was in neurological intensive care. His head had got busted open like a pumpkin on the road. And he wasn't going to make it too long. Family called me in. I went in and had prayer. I knew the boy was lost. We'd talked to him and he would not get saved. And I remember sitting there with the family. We're waiting and the doctor's supposed to come out. And his aunt said, well, we know. The Bible said all things work together for good. And I didn't say anything because it wasn't the time or the place. But you can't claim that unless you're saved by the grace of God. All things don't work together for good if you're lost without Jesus. Everything in your life is pointing you one way and that's to Calvary to be saved by His precious blood. But if you're saved tonight, everything in your life, God has allowed or God has made just for you. He makes all things, everything, He hath made everything beautiful. That means fair or handsome. I have seen God take a thorn patch and make it a bed of roses. I've seen God take in the deepest valley and see a lily bloom. I've seen the darkest night where you couldn't see anything and then a bright star from heaven would break through. He's made everything, everything, everything. God hath made everything beautiful. Now get this, in His time. Beloved, it's, it's going to get done when He says it's going to get done. You cannot speed God up and you cannot slow Him down. You've got to let God be God. If you got to feeling bad this evening, you called your doctor and you went to see him tomorrow, you're running a fever, sore throat, coughing. He says you got to touch your pneumonia. Take this medicine, this penicillin, 10 days worth. And this is what they say right before they leave. They said, take all of it. You get home, oh, you're so sick, you take that medicine. Day one, doesn't do anything for it. Day two, you reckon this stuff's going to work. Day three, well, I am feeling just a little better. Day four, day five, man, you're feeling great. But day six, you're on top of things. Man, I'm healed. I'm well. I don't need that penicillin anymore. I got four days. I'll save it for the next time I'm sick. I'll use it then so we don't finish it. And in a day or two, we're in worse shape the second time around than we were the first time. Why? We didn't let that medicine run its course. And beloved, God has a season in your life and in my life. And when He said it's done, it will be done. And when He said it's over, it will be over. And when He said enough's enough, it'll be enough. But it will be in His time. I told you about my mama Malden. She was a 
wonderful cook. She, uh, she was just a, just a great, great cook. And we knew, Papa and I knew, I spent all the summer with them when Mom and Dad worked. We knew by 12.30, everybody had to eat. and The dishes had to be put up at 12.30. Her stories came on the TV. General Hospital. Silent Silaclone. And... Uh, Days of our sins. And, and uh, now she believed that stuff. She watched them. I remember when Nixon Watergate trials came on, I thought she was going to blow up the TV station. She wanted her story. She didn't want to watch that mess. But uh, I was down there one day, and I was sitting there at the table. She had already made a great big pot of white beans with fat back floating in it. I said, with fat back floating in it. Real fat back. Come off of a hog. Not these bullion cubes that God only knows where they come from. Great big, a great big pot of white beans was cooking. And she'd fixed up some country ham. Boy, had it. That stuff, it makes you thirsty for three days after you drink it. And uh, she was, she was going to make, make the biscuits. And I'm sitting there and I watch her. She goes over to the sink, she pulls out this metal bowl and the sifter's in it and it's full of flour. And she puts a few handfuls and she sifts that flour. And then she goes over and gets a can of lard. Real lard. Not vegetable shortening. <laughs> lard, all right? And she'd take her hands and get two big globs of lard and throw it down in that sifted flour and she'd begin to knead it. Not with a wooden spoon. God help us, you lady. Not with a fork. She stuck her hands down in there. She got to work in that flour and that lard. And when she got it just right, she'd make a little swimming pool out of it. And she'd pour some buttermilk. Real buttermilk that had seen a cow somewhere up the line. And she'd take and fill that swimming pool with that buttermilk. And she'd begin to work that buttermilk and that lard and that flour together. Yes, sir. She'd pad them biscuits out. And she'd put them on pans that were plumb black from use. And she'd put them in the oven. And I'm sitting there and I'm smelling them beans. I'm looking at that country ham. I'm smelling those biscuits. And I said, Mama, I believe that bread's done. She said, darling, I just put it in the oven. I said, I know, but smell. I think they're done. She said, now you're going out and play. They'll be done after a while and I'll call you. Well, I went out in the yard and and stayed a long time, five or six minutes, and I went back in and <laughs> I said, Mama, I said, if you smell, I believe that bread's done. You don't want to burn that bread. She said, Darling, I've been making bread way longer than you've been alive. Now go and leave me alone now. I know what I know how long to cook this bread. I said, Yes, ma'am. So I went back outdoors, another five or six minutes. I came back in. I said, Mama. You are burning that bread. I can smell it's getting burned. That, those biscuits are done. And for the first time in my life, I remember my grandma got mad at me. She grabbed an oven mitt, went over and, and slung the door open of the oven, reached in there, pulled a pan out, got a biscuit, and handed it to me. And boy, it looked so wonderful. Boy, I, whoo, thank you, Mama. I told you this bread was done. Boy, I took a great big bite out of it, and I said, Mama, this bread ain't done. That's it. It's full of dough. She said, I told you that and I give it back to me. And I'll get out of here and I'll tell you when it's done. I learned a valuable lesson. 
You can't speed bread up. It gets done when it's done. And that master cook, she knew how long to leave it in the oven. And though it seemed like it was going to burn to me, she had everything worked out. And when the dinner bell was rung, we sat down to hot biscuits and country ham and white beans. We had a red-eye gravy. We had a lovely meal. Why? Because it was time. Now, beloved, whatever you're going through tonight, God knows who you are. God knows where you are. God knows all about you. And He will make everything in your life beautiful in His time. Now, Lord, I've done my best. Lord, I'm, I stand amazed tonight that they continue to invite me to this camp meeting. But, oh, Lord God, I've done my best tonight. I know not who this message is.